Extra Points is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. It must be 21 years or older. Welcome, Extra Points listeners, and congratulations on making it through yet another week. Good news, the weekend awaits with its enchanting promises of endless sports and free time that ends up with you screaming silently at some jerk in the Costco parking lot instead. Or maybe I'm just projecting. Either way, we know how hard you work, and while we hope listening to all our shows makes that time go a little faster, we don't want that to feel like work in and of itself. So we've had our producers pick out their favorite bits and put them together in a half-hour supercut for you to sample. I know, I can't believe we have producers either. If you like something, check out the full episode the next week wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks for supporting the network. And let me just say from the bottom of my heart as the co-founder that I sincerely hope your favorite team still loses to mine. Enjoy the shows. And for our first clip, after the loss to Texas and the struggle versus USF plus their quarterback issues, Dave Damashek had Andy Staples on minus three and asked him if Nick Saban will ever win another title with the Crimson Tide. Do you think that Nick Saban ever wins another national title at Bama? That's a tough one. He's still recruiting at a very high level. If you look at the recruiting class they signed this year, it's ranked higher than anyone he's ever signed before. Hmm. And he always signs a top three recruiting class. So I just... It's weird watching this because you you wonder, did he make a bad hire with Tommy Reese's OC? Is that the problem? Is it just that they don't have the right quarterback right now? Because it feels like they are not nearly as dominant as they have been. And, and you know, I, I go back to the Texas game. Initially, my thought was, okay, Texas is developing its players better. Texas has real dudes on both lines of scrimmage. That's why this happened. But then you watch that USF game and it's like, okay, Alabama is not blocking very well at all. And USF should not be able to do this. They should not be able to get this kind of pressure on Alabama's quarterbacks. So it does feel like there's been a step down. But I still think if you keep stockpiling talent like that, you have a chance to win national titles. And and he seems to he seems to be pretty clear that he's not going anywhere for a while. So if they hit on the right quarterback, say once in the next three, four years, they can win it again. Okay. All right. That was a generous answer from you. It does have the, the Vader V Kenobi vibe to it though. Right. Like when first we met, you know, Kirby smart, you know, I was, but the student now Mm -hmm. I am the master, not just that, but obviously uh, Brian Kelly taking some players away from him, presumably at LSU luring some people. So Texas doing it. Right. Obviously, you know, Kirby started the trend, but Texas is doing it now. LSU could always compete with him for a little bit. Uh, Billy Napier at Florida is picking off a few. But even even like Missouri comes in and with NIL, they're able to keep some of their their really good players home so far. Do you think David Letterman would blow in a call or should blow in a call to Nick Saban and say, see, this is why. I went with Tom Snyder instead of John Stewart at 12:30 a.m. to follow me because when you create a powerhouse behind you now like may, yeah. the, the Saban regret all these high end these reclamation projects this guy is a really 
uh, savvy offensive uh, play designer. I mean, this this has been the reclamation hub, right? And that's not what this is. Tommy Reese was hired from Notre Dame, right? Well, that was a different one. But I mean, yeah. the guys who he's rolled through there have now gone on and created powerhouses yeah. across the land, thereby diminishing the tide, right? Yeah. No, I agree. And now I want to do my Tom Snyder. Oh, is that it? I, I, it's been a while since I've seen Tom <laughs> Snyder. That was a long time ago. Well, it's it's been a while since any human being has seen Tom Snyder. <laughs> John, John Stewart would have been a at twelve thirty would have been a a nightmare. It would have been what Dave was for Johnny essentially like are we sure right. about this so yeah no i i agree but now i i think that's part of it too with alabama is they have not been able to go to the bench the bench is not as deep there's no steve sarkeesian sitting on the bench there's no mike loxley sitting on the bench there's no lane kiffin sitting on the bench there mm-hmm. there wasn't anybody immediately who came to mind when Bill O'Brien left. Now I thought a part of it, I think that was the timing of O'Brien's exit as well. So they, you know, in deference to Bill Belichick, we, everybody knew Bill O'Brien was going to the Patriots, but they waited till that season was over. They, they pretended that Matt Patricia wasn't, was going to be back. And it was not the typical time that you're doing that hiring. Typically you're doing that hiring in December, which would have allowed them to, to be, more active in the quarterback transfer market. Maybe go after Sam Hartman or somebody like that. Instead, it was Tommy Reese going after Sam Hartman at Notre Dame, and then Tommy Reese leaves Notre Dame. But Brian Grubb, the Washington defense uh, offensive coordinator, is another guy they interviewed for that job. He ends up staying at Washington. He's doing fantastic right now. Who has the early lead for the Sonic Award? That's the award for the sports fan base that's struggling the most. Dave Damashek, Sarah Tiana, and special guest comedian Pat Barker discuss this very topic during a brand new Extra Points. Let me let me just couch this in something we do every year at the end of uh, the calendar when it hits uh, December 31st. We do the Shecky Awards and have for over a quarter century. One of those awards <laughs> is the Sonic Award. It's the award no one wants to get. It's for the sports town whose fans suffered the most. Mm-hmm. in the past year. And I think Philadelphia definitely is a candidate in 2023 here. I have another thought in mind, but Pat, you have to answer for Philadelphia sports, the state of it rooting for these teams. How stay you? I mean, I did. I could not disagree more. I disagree with everything. The entire <laughs> premise is flawed. You got to understand I'm 40. Um, the Sixers won a championship when I was two months old and then mm-hmm. nothing happened for 25 years. <laughs> Before the Phillies won one. And then 10 years after that, the Eagles won one. So in 40 years, and I don't count the Sixers one, two championships across four major sports. To even live in an era where the Phillies and Eagles both have a realistic shot of winning a championship, they're making it to the finals. This is a big win for me. This is a, a golden this in in a in a city where we have historically failed so bad. One Super Bowl, two World Series in 120 years. The Sixers haven't won anything in 40 years. The Flyers are even worse. This is a golden era for Philly sports. And for Philly sports fans, the standing ovation for Trey Turner. We have the most likable team in baseball somehow. And I would dare to say, all of a sudden, a likable fan base, which is uncharted territory. This is the golden era. For me, it's way worse to um, my friend Jeff, uh, co-host of Pat and Jeff Like Sports, cheap plug, uh, Chicago fan. Terrible. The Bulls aren't going. Yeah. The Bears are a nightmare. Um, the uh, the Cubs the Cubs looked like a fun team a week ago. Now that's all falling apart. And, and also, how about New York? 
I would uh-huh. much rather be a Philly fan than a New York fan right now. The mm-hmm. Jets, the Giants, the Yankees are fighting for fourth place in their division. The mm-hmm. Knicks are the, the Knicks. And uh, it's the double whammy in the rules that apply that, you know, that should apply to any fan with a soul is if you're in New York or Chicago, you don't get both the Yankees and Mets. Correct. You choose one and hate the other. I see a lot of people trying to straddle that line. Right, for sure. But, 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 but what I'm here, saying but, is whether you're Jets or Giants. But they both stink. Either the point is if you're Yankees or Mets, they, you're in bad in bad shape right now. Rags or aisles, that was a bad postseason um, in either direction there. Yeah, I hear what you're laying down there. Chicago, worse though, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the White Sox and Cubs. Cubs yeah. are, yeah, like you say, had a fun six weeks or so. But the, and, and Northwestern football up in Chicago, oh. too, is bad. Hmm. Well, yeah, what that's about an embarrassment. D.C., like you don't have any, like you haven't had anything. You haven't had uh, the national. I mean, I guess the nationals won a World Series. Like what? Four. Well, the Cubs at least got rid of everybody. Feel good. Yeah, there. You're right, though. That's a that's a, a a sad ongoing situation. I mean, it's been a rough outside of the Capitals getting one, which in a in a weird way kind of adds up to being um, uh, unsatisfying that Ovechkin's mm-hmm. career, one of the 10 best of all time is going to go down. I mean, at least he got the one, I guess, but I mean, that, that's yeah. all they ever got was the, is the one cup. And it's unlikely that he's going to win another one there. Let me throw one at you here. Um, I could belly ache about Pittsburgh. Um, the, instead I'll go with Oakland, California. Think yeah. about mm-hmm. in the last, I mean, they've lost the Raiders who now live mm-hmm. in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, the A's are leaving and it seems like Vegas doesn't even want them, but they're still doing it anyway. We're going to rip that team away from you. Cal and Stanford kind of sort of got the shaft or at least were embarrassed mm-hmm. in terms of like the conference thing, the way that all shook out and end- ended up landing. Okay. For them, I guess, but it's still a little bit weird there. And Oh and yeah. The Warriors. And then they have the Warriors, but the Warriors were like, yeah, I mean, we're Golden State and we're the Bay Area, but we're San Francisco. What do you think? We're crazy? We're not staying in Oakland. And then ditched them for that. So I think that's the And then the San Jose Sharks stink, too. And then they traded away their best player. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I think I might go Oakland as of this very moment. It's a bad one. Yep. Yeah. I think it's – I just feel like it's always bad when you have an owner that doesn't care about the city. And the city has tried to do so much to keep the A's there. Uh, you remember the Giants were going to leave, you know, and then they, the city convinced them to stay. That was like, what, 60 years ago. And then look what happened. Like they became this juggernaut in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So that it's like, I just, uh, I feel so bad for Oakland fans who have loved the Oakland. You know, my grandmother worked for the Oakland A's, you know, for 20 something years. I'm a big Oakland A's fan. I remember going to see uh, Mark McGuire at the Coliseum and they were giving away bats. It was Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire bat day at the Coliseum. And they gave full size bats to everyone in Oakland. (laughs) You understand? (laughs) And it was fine. (laughs) Like nothing bad happened. They did it again. And then I think eventually they stopped doing it. But like, you know, it was like a beautiful fan base, a beautiful. And I just went to the Coliseum a few months ago and I loved it other than it just, you know, being really, you know, a little outdated, like just looking up at the press box and seeing like plywood everywhere else. 
I kind of like the kitschiness of it. I like that the seats are old, the way that they are in Fenway. You know, like that doesn't bother me. I didn't. I don't think it needs a ton of updating. You know. But has anybody? I it, but I hear you. But they're but they're partners in that stadium for so mm-hmm. long. The Raiders. If you let's say you're about sixty years old, if you were a diehard Raiders fan and you're mm-hmm. sixty now. Imagine what you've been put through. Uh-huh. You watch this team. You suffer like, ah, we can't get past the Dolphins. And, uh, oh, they're 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 falling back a little bit. But now here come the Steelers. Oh, we can't get past the Steelers. And finally you get over the hump and, and ultimate glory. The snake did it for us where we, we finally are champions of the world. About like five, six years later, we're moving to L.A. We, yeah. We're having an affair with a pretty blonde down the mm-hmm. down the the freeway there, so we're leaving you the old ball and chain. Oh, a decade! Hey, we're we you dumped you dumped her the harlot, L.A. Yeah, we're coming we're coming back. You're coming. We're getting back together. We did it. And then 15, 20 years later, now they ditch you again. Horrible stuff. I feel bad for Oakland-based Raiders fans. Let's take a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full the word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit Gambling Helpline MA.org. Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler or West Virginia, 1 800 Gambler.net, New York, call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. 
But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. In this clip from the Monday episode of Trendy, Toby Mergler and Martin Weiss discussed the best thing they saw on NFL Sunday for week two. A quick story here about Martin. I know it's hard to believe in a network with old married guys with kids uh, like myself and Shaq and Hench, but you've always been the coolest guy here. When we were at the Super Bowl a few years ago in Los Angeles, I walked into a party with Sal, a sponsored party, uh, a sponsor that paid us a significant amount of money. And we get in there and we don't have any wristbands. We don't have nothing. They can't get us into the place. They can't get us drinks. They say they can't get anything. And who do we turn the corner and run right into? And Martin Weiss, who's got just an arm full of wristbands. He's got a wristband from every party up and down Los Angeles. And that's when I realized that at at this place, like here at the network, I might be the co-founder. But as soon as I walk into a super party, I'm visiting Martin's world. That is where you live, pal. So what was the coolest (laughs) thing? Since I don't understand cool. What was the coolest thing you saw on Sunday? Well, I think uh, honorable mention for the Broncos Hail Mary because I did not think that Russell Wilson was going to be able to get that ball into the end zone. And sure enough, he did. And, you know, good. Happy the commanders are 2 0. I know you're confident, but, you know, that was a, that was an iffy uh, non pass interference call down the stretch. I still think their commanders would have won in overtime. I picked them to win the game in general. But the coolest thing's got to be uh, the Patriots blocking the field goal. Yes. Football. Yes, shifting the defender over. Like I've seen people say the defender was in motion. Like that's not how that exactly works because only offensive players can go into motion. But I understand why somebody would say that. But no, it would, that was probably the coolest thing. And then I also think it, it it impacted Jason Myers on his next field goal attempt where he missed it. Thing because it's like and who's seen that before? And that's the beautiful thing about football. There's nothing new, but every so often you'll see something you've never seen before. I've got to get off the Zoom right now and go tell my kids that the cool guy agreed with something I wrote down for once because that's the exact same thing that I had, Martin. I, I, it was wild to watch, especially you know live with the camera angle they had for like this for a split second. I just my brain couldn't process what was happening. I thought a fan had sprinted on the field because like in what other world would you see somebody completely running that fast that's unblocked and unmarked? It was like something out of like the Water Boy or Techno Bowl where you get Lawrence Taylor or Bruce Smith and just sprint around the end for to sack the quarterback every time i absolutely loved it and i'm sure there are ways to neutralize it and the nfl will ban it immediately because it's way too fun but if kicking teams are going to run down the play clock or the holder's going to give away the snap signal why does this happen like three times a game why doesn't everybody try to time this thing and sprint at it because that was the thing that's interesting is if you look at it the replay of the play i don't i forget the guy's name that came off the edge but he wasn't looking at the long snapper he wasn't looking at the clock he looked he was watching the kicker the whole time and so like you know obviously you know you have downset hut or whatever to hike the ball but like kickers have the same thing where they'll do they put their hand down and the process that that starts to snap so he knew basically probably just off watching film that that's how this Jason Myers always kicks the ball. He always put, you know, that he follows that routine. And then boom, if I leave on the second step of his routine, by the time I get there, he'll be kicking the ball and it'll hit me right in the hand, you know, to block it. So what's going to be, and I I'm here for it though, because field goals are too easy now. 
I think that's that's my take. That's my take. People, we're kicking 55-yard, 60-yard field goals without blinking. The Eagles did that against the Vikings on Thursday night. Attempted a 55-yarder, missed it, and tried a 61-yarder and made it. Yeah. And nobody blinked. Walk off SEC, in the SEC this year, uh, Missouri kicked a 61-yard field goal to beat Kansas State. It's SEC record. So field goals are too easy now. So that so a I like this because now you're gonna have to change your timing. Like imagine, you know, every quarterback goes. You know, sometimes we will go on two, sometimes we will go silent count, sometimes we will go on three. In fact, and matter of fact, I'm gonna say hut, and then we're not gonna do anything for three seconds, and then you hike me the ball. I'm gonna have to bring that into the kicking game too. Yeah, it's gonna be part of the scouting report, right? Like a quarterback who has tunnel vision and always stares down the safety and ends up getting picked. You're gonna to have to look off the edge rusher if you're a kicker. Might actually have them think about something more than you know juicing up the ball and hitting the 60 yard. And I agree. I mean, when the announcers were just like gushing over the fact that they couldn't believe Tucker missed, it's like a 59 yard kick. And they just couldn't believe it. It's like once you get to the point where you're automatic from midfield, we've got to reevaluate this thing. So I'm with you. Is C.J. Stroud the most impressive rookie quarterback so far this NFL season? Myself and Jen Piacente discussed this during the newest episode of Waiver Wired. Now, this is sort of maybe more of a DFS play um, or two QB league play, but I am definitely interested in C.J. Stroud. He actually looks darn good Mm -hmm. considering he has like one-fifth of his O-line. Laramie Tunzel's not there. You know, which, by the way, is also part of why those of you who have Damian Pierce are, you know, that's a struggle, too. But there's no offensive line. This poor kid. And in spite of that, last week, he threw for nearly 400 yards in a pair of touchdowns to the point that I am just like excited about Texans wide receivers. I love Tank Dell, which we're going to talk about in a second. Robert Woods. Is playable. Nico Collins is already too rostered, but all of those guys, like we thought this would be a run first team, et cetera. They, listen, and the negative game script helps for fantasy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So CJ Stroud is someone that I think you should, he completed passes to like eight different receivers. Yep. Plus uh, no John, interceptions. John Besi- Matthew coming back. It, it, a lot of, a lot of options there. And maybe he's going to break the Ohio state quarterback curse. Cause he looks he's thrown for a ton of yards. Uh, it, it, yeah. You must be really excited to be, if you're a Houston Texas fan, I think you have your guy. And the matchup with the Jaguars is good mm-hmm. this week too. So I, I like him as a stash, even for your future by weeks. Cause once his O-line gets healthier, we should see even better play. Yep. Better and results. He'll, and he'll be more comfortable. I Yeah. Stroud is, has been very, very impressive so far. He has. Uh, so good on you, CJ. Coming out strong. Martin Weiss and Mark Gunnels in the newest Lemon Pepper Parlay discussed the bad vibes of the week surrounding Joe Burrow and Justin Fields. Yeah, I'm sticking in the AFC North with my bad vibes. And I'm going to Cincinnati. I mean, 0-2 for the second year in a row. But this one feels a little bit different. Joe Burrow's calf injury. I thought they rushed him back. He didn't look right from week one. Uh, You should have probably sat him. Jamar Chase even suggested that. Now you're still 0-2 with him, and you really can't afford to sit him at this point because now if if you do, you're pretty much punting on the season. So, And you got Monday night against the Rams coming up, who look a lot better than people expected before the year. So, yeah, man, Cincinnati 0-2. I think people are just kind of letting them off the hook because they did start off 0-2 last year, and they figured it out, but, hey, this is not a good place to be every single year starting 0-2, man. So bad vibes are definitely in Cincinnati, Ohio right now. I'm not going to lie. They were a 
candidate for ugly vibes for me because they don't qualify for bad. It's worse than bad, but it ain't nearly as ugly as it is at, at 1920 football drive in Chicago, Illinois right now, because goodness gracious, Justin Fields coming out saying, hey, listen, I was good at quarterback until these jerks started coaching me, more or less. Like That's not a direct quote, but that was the vibe. And I mean, my For You page on X is now full of people breaking down other people's film breakdowns of the Chicago Bears offense. And it's like, you can even tell people who are trying to be diplomatic here are like, yo, this ain't it. Apparently, Garrett, I heard a rumor that Garrett Wilson's trying to get him to get, <laughs> trying to get the Jets to trade for Justin Fields. They, everybody wants out of Chicago. It looks ugly right there. And this is a guy who his entire career prior to reaching the NFL was one step below Trevor Lawrence in just about every single evaluation until it got to the NFL draft. And let's stop down for a quick break here. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Well, it's time to cover yourself in some glory with Brett and Toby talking about how Chelsea are putting the predictive nature of expected goals to the test. Let's talk about XG. I pointed out last week that Chelsea is third in the XG table for the Premier League and digging deeper and far more shockingly, they are sixth, sixth, Brett, in all of the top five leagues in Europe and all of the leagues in XG created this year. Not even just XG differential, XG created on the attacking side. The five teams above them average 12 goals apiece during this campaign and Chelsea have five. They have five goals. This might be sixth in the continent in XG created. So we keep waiting for them to revert to the mean. But this has been going on seemingly forever, basically since Hazard left, and he's now effectively retired. So what do you, XG master, attribute this all to? Uh, I am definitely not an XG master. I am just sort of like the guy that's just, just dumb enough to be dangerous with XG. Um, so I, I think what I attribute it to is, is in the short term, you know, we're talking about a small sample of matches, right? And we've had, <laughs> I don't want to keep bringing it up. I feel bad for the kid, but Nico Jackson missed an open dead. I don't even know. We've talked about this our last show. We don't know how he missed it, but things like that. Enzo's missed penalty is going to be an issue. Chilwell missed a couple of chances that were really great. So those are going to look really egregious in the short term, and they're going to really create that huge difference. But this is the whole point of expected goals, right? Is it's 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 this predictive stat. We don't know when variance swings. When you're at a poker table, and the flushes just keep hitting against your top set, and you're you're sixty forty or seventy thirty or whatever that edge is, is I haven't played poker in a while, and you're like, man, how do I keep losing this when I'm a seventy percent favorite? And then all of a sudden, like three months down the road, you're getting people hitting set under set under you and you're just raking in money. And like, that's when variance is swinging back your direction. Right. 
And I think that's the way you got to look at it with Chelsea is we don't know when the variance is going to swing, but we do know that they're doing the, the, the good thing, the, the highly predictive thing that says they're going to continue. They're going to score going forward. Now, the caveat to that is always this within the spectrum of expected goals. There are finishers that are good. Son is one of them. Messi is in a tier by himself. Uh, there's also finishers and even prolific goal scorers that are bad. Christian Benteke being a guy that's gotten ragged on for it. And Eden Dzeko was silently like is silently like minus 30 uh, goals under his expected goal differential uh, coming in as a subpar finisher, right? So, like, we don't know the makeup of this Chelsea team yet. Nico Jackson hasn't shown us in Villarreal that he was a bad finisher, but maybe over a larger sample size, that might be the case, and it might tell us that this XG isn't going to be as predictive bouncing back. Me personally, Chilwell missing uh, good opportunities, Enzo missing penalties, Nico Jackson missing open nets from three feet away. My guess is if those things keep happening, Chelsea's goals are going to start coming and they're going to start coming by the bushel. So if I was you, I would be optimistic. I, as a fan, though, when we talk about this stuff, this is part of the reason why I think people hate analytics is they're like, I don't care. My team's not scoring goals and they don't have yeah, any points. I've, I've got to tell you how restless the fans are getting. Like, yeah. hey, internet community, I lurk. I'm lurking out there. If you've got a Chelsea community, I'm probably monitoring it. I am big brother watching this thing and I'm watching them get progressively pissed about people talking about it. It's a great ad for our discord channel. I'm watching you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they are getting so mad that people keep bringing up XG. Like, Hey, you know what stat? I like wins. You know what stat? I like goals scored. Like how about we use those analytics to judge this team instead of this XG that never seems to translate. And so like I'm somewhere in the middle because I I've become XG curious as a result of doing this show with you, but I'm sick of watching this crap <laughs> and seeing, and seeing like the chances they're creating, like, you know, to your point about people being better finishers or not, it's like when it falls to our former Lord and savior, Connor Gallagher, and he's seven yards out, I don't assume that's going in. I assume it's going, uh, you know, over the bar straight into the keeper's, chest and like nico jackson like i love what he's doing all over the pitch i love you know him being able to carry the ball up the field i love the defensive actions he's putting in but when like a ball is crossed to him three yards in front of the goal and all he has to do is head it in and it hits him in the chest with no power and he knocks it to the ground and then misses the kick it's like what am i doing here and then raheem sterling he comes in and he has a clean shot from the right post and he almost hits the freaking corner flag he almost hit the corner flag instead of the goal from like six yards out. So like, yes, XG might say that was a great opportunity. But what happened? Like, who cares when he's like the bomber melting down at Wimbledon wearing one shoe? So I, I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm super frustrated by it. Obviously I'm sick of hearing about it. And Chelsea has bad news for them in this game because that top six list of XG created that I looked up so I could talk about on the show, Villa sits third. Villa sits third in all of Europe and XG created behind only City and Barca. So it's time, Brett. It's time. It's finally time. It's time for me to fade Chelsea until they can convert so many theoretical goals into actual ones. I can't continue to lose money on them. And to wrap up the show, Kevin Hench took the opportunity to make fun of my one 13 and one record from the week two NFL picks and take some shots at Sean McVay's weird decision at the end of the game. I salute spaghetti for going one in 13 because that's a badge of honor to be Mm -hmm. wrong on all this i mean hey congratulations listen 
you you want to be right about the Sean McVay decision. You want to you you feel good winning that winning that bet. You bet on the Rams plus the money. Like that was one of listen. that. Talk about outrageous. Okay, so you know Calvin Ridley suspended, Jameson Williams suspended. Like we can't have any appearance of impropriety. We got to be so far about. Well, listen, if you're going to be in business partnership with gambling websites, gambling entities then you got to let these coaches know what the line is. Like if I don't know what McVeigh's explanation is, but that's the worst looking thing that's ever happened. I don't know the Alex Karras <laughs> and Paul Hornig stories completely, but you can't kick a field goal just to cover the spread. It does. I'm sure it's not pretty sure it's not. Sean McVeigh makes a lot of money, but it does really feel Pete Rosie. Well, yeah. Well, listen, I, you know, I mean, so you don't buy his explanation. You don't buy his what explanation. What did he say? I didn't hear what he said. His comments were that he said uh, the plan was to throw a ball uh, in the middle of the field and then get in field goal range, kick the field goal, and, and then somehow get the ball back on the kickoff. Um, but then he said the clock was running out. And he said at that uh, point, he just wanted to send the field goal team out and just like basically go through the motions and just practice a, a long range field goal. That was his explanation. The explanation that, or the thought that I heard that kind of makes sense, but I guess McVeigh um, with, with, with that explanation disproves it, but is that, in the in the standings, you know, like when you get real deep down into the tiebreakers, total points can be a factor or head to head points and all that. So I think I, that would have held water until Spaghetti just told, told me that that's not the, not the reason. <laughs> anyway, so but that but but that uh, so I'm just saying if you're Spaghetti and you and you bet on the Browns and they have 20 first downs, and the Steelers have nine, and they have 408 total yards, and the Steelers have 255, you don't have to feel ashamed for losing that bet. Like, it's insane that if you handicapped last weekend's games, going 1-13 and is a better sign that you're not psychotic. Like, there were so many games that just went the wrong way, highlighted, obviously, by McVeigh's decision to think about the deep tiebreaker. <laughs> 